Hello and welcome to the fourth podcast created for the SCI Everything series um, for the SCI community in Canada. The purpose of this session is twofold. It's to highlight some of the challenges faced by persons with spinal cord injury and or their family members related to care provision in the home in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic and also to explore strategies that persons with SCI and their family members uh, who provide that care can utilize to stay healthy during this time of the pandemic. You're going to hear four perspectives, that of a person living with SCI for many years and who manages his care through attendance from an agency. You'll hear from a spouse who's the care provider to her husband with a high level injury and you'll hear uh, my perspective as a former nurse and former CEO for a provincial spinal cord injury organization, also a family member of persons with physical disabilities. And then finally, you'll hear the perspective of a researcher who's been very interested in the field and impact of care provision for a number of years. So um, I'm gonna move on with my perspective first then. So the first thing that I'd like to share with you is that um, I acknowledge that persons with SCI who have lived successfully in the community for many years um, are facing new challenges as a result of this current pandemic. Hired care providers may be fearful of contracting COVID-19 or of being a symptomatic carrier and passing it on to the recipient of their care services. Hired care providers may suddenly require self-isolation and therefore not show up. Hired care providers may not fully understand how to use your personal protective equipment effectively or may experience a shortfall in the equipment. Family member care providers may feel more isolated and vulnerable for burnout during this time. So you can see there's a number of new challenges that um, people and care providers are facing during this time of pandemic. So what can you do about that? Well, I think the first step, which is really important, is that you must assume that a disruption to your care provider routines will happen at some point during this pandemic. And that you need to rely, you may need to rely on persons with little to no uh, prior experience. So how do you prepare for that? How do you make that work better for you? Well, create a backup plan. You're still in charge of your routines and your care. Create a list of your network of supports, family, friends, students, unemployed friends, and identify amongst that network two to three individuals who agree to provide backup care if it's required. Create a list of organizations and individuals with experience around SCI. Familiarize yourself with training resources to help your backup care providers deliver safe services for you. This will help alleviate some of the burden that you as an individual managing your care or your spouse who's managing your care. It'll take some of that burden away from you um, if something untoward happens. Um, another important aspect is documentation. Really important for you to post on your fridge because that's the easiest place to find anything in your home. Post on your fridge your care plan, your personal care directives. Should you become ill or your spouse caregiver um, suddenly is not available, this makes it easy to find, especially if you're not well and having difficulty communicating. 
Also document post on your fridge the contact list for key members of your family and health services team so that it's readily available for somebody who's stepping in to provide your care. If you require agency care, inquire about their contingency plans related to dealing with the pandemic. But, but note um, that many agencies have been overwhelmed by the demand for in-home support and care during the pandemic. Um, and because they've had to change some of their rules around how many homes people can visit, um, that certainly had an impact. Discuss your care routines with your backup care providers. You can visit YouTube videos and other online training resources to assist the inexperienced care provider to visualize their role in taking direction from you or your spouse who's no longer able to provide it. Um, related to personal care and supporting the activities of daily living that you would need assistance with. Also familiarize yourself with COVID-19 resources specific to living with SCI and these are available for many government and non-government agencies in your province. Um, just an example of training resources that are available online. Um, Spinal Cord Injury Alberta on their website has an online care provider training resource that can be a resource to you or your backup care providers. And the um, link to that is available at the bottom of your screen. But just to give you a little bit of information about that, um, so that you would know how it might benefit you, is that the training materials themselves were developed by people with spinal cord injury and other uh, neuromuscular conditions that require or that create physical disability. And there's um, quite a number of courses on that web or on that yeah on that website. But the ones that are really relevant, I think, to people um, who are stepping in to be care providers, would be skin care and pressure ulcer prevention, feeding, eating, and swallowing, general safety, mental health, personal care, respiratory care, basic anatomy, and medication assistance. Those were the ones that that I. Um, I, I've gone through all the courses, so those would be the ones I think would be most important to me if I had to step in as a backup care provider. So again, if you want to check this out, um, there's an overview of each of the courses available on the website that you can take a look at. So now um, I'm going to turn it over to my uh, pod mates and uh, uh, Turn it over to you, Karen, to share your perspective. Hi, I'm Karen Gill. I'm from Curtis, Ontario. I'm a 24-7 primary caregiver to my husband of 44 years. Ivan is a C5 complete quadriplegic for the last 26 years. He has many underlying medical conditions, some very serious, some life-threatening. But the worst we're dealing with would be the chronic pain, the autonomic dysreflexia, hernia, iron deficit, uh, whoops, low iron, <laughs> and high-grade cervical stenosis. Just a few. Needless to say, he's a high-maintenance man. But during this COVID pandemic, it's been very stressful taking care of Ivan. COVID-19 is all about isolation, but isn't that how Ivan's been living for the last 26 years? 
been isolated in his own body. Now he is in the isolated in our own home, preventing him from getting the medical care he so desperately needs. It's been hard because it's completely all on me now as we have postponed the PSWs from coming into our home. And it's hard because we've always had our family support. But with the social distancing and the COVID, that's not the case right now. There's extra cleaning of all the normal precautions. There's caution over me each time I have to leave the house to come back, a fear of bringing something to Ivan. There's no physical doctor's appointments to help support with his current and ongoing medical issues, leaving me to do everything myself. But however, I am very grateful for the phone calls and the emails from Ivan's team of doctors that's there to help guide me. But having Ivan home, in my opinion, is the safest right now. But in the last two to three months, we've had several emergencies where I would normally call the ambulance. But that's something Ivan forbids right now. Ivan's fear of going to the hospital without me as being his advocate is greater than his fear of contracting COVID-19. In the past year, he's had several bad experiences in emergency with me there. If I wasn't, it would be devastating for him at this time. By not calling the ambulance has put a lot of pressure on me to do, to try and do the right thing. But I also have to try and respect his wishes. He flatly refuses to go. He would rather die at home with me than go to a hospital right now and die alone. This is all his opinion. The hardest part is waiting for this danger zone to be over because Ivan desperately needs to be in a hospital to address some of his chronic pain, extreme high blood pressures. And each day, Ivan is becoming more mentally and physically drained. It's heart-wrenching to watch Ivan cry out in pain, but I will continue to do what I have to do until he gets in the right medical hands. So on a happy note, I guess, the next question is for me was, what do I do for me? I never gave that a thought because I've always put myself as an afterthought. But Ivan and Ivan's needs has always come first. But my stress reliever is my kitchen. I love to bake. I love my garden. It's my haven with gardening and my birds. But recently, I have been challenged by our daughter to join a Fitbit work week hustle. Whereas it has motivated me to move from me. But it also gives me quite pleasure knowing that I'm kicking some royal butts and winning each week. 
and putting them to shame. So we're keeping safely at home during this pandemic. Every day is a struggle because of Ivan's conditions right now. So I just want to say thanks for letting me be part of this podcast and everybody stay safe. Thank you. Hello, my name is Ron Ratty, and I am one of the peer program coordinators for Spinal Cord Injury Ontario. My office is located in the Hamilton Regional Rehabilitation Center. Uh, what I'm talking about today is what can I do if a family member with SCI is anxious? Well, firstly, you want to let them, the person know that they can talk to you about their anxiety openly without any fear of judgment and take time to listen. Be an active listener. Let them know that you're always there for them. Have you ever had that moment where you've been speaking to someone and they're paying attention to everything else around you except you? It can be very difficult and you really, why bother ask them? So some of the ways to be an active listener is to respond. Responses can include head nods, eye contact, and sitting forward facing the person. Repeat. Repeat in your own words your understanding of the speaker's content of the message and wait until the speaker confirms your interpretation is correct. And then after that, you want to reflect. Reflect back to the speaker the emotions that you believe have been displayed through the speaker's tone of voice, facial expressions, etc. Seems like me, you really don't understand at all this. I wish I could understand how you feel, but I don't. I respect your feelings and will do everything you need me to do to feel better. Showing that you care will help the person with the SCI that is self-conscious about their anxiety or has a hard time opening up. Ask how you can support them. Remember, don't get frustrated. Spend time with them as much as possible. Don't bring up the anxiety too often. Tell them that they can call on you anytime or schedule a time to chat. Don't let the anxiety affect you and be forgiving. Let them know that it's okay to feel what they're feeling. Peer support and outreach it's common to have problems with no easy solutions or questions or no easy answers. If so, you are not beyond help and do not have to be on your own. You can offer input from multiple sources to help you with important issues like spiritual advisors, mental health professionals, and people with SEI can be very helpful and supportive. There is a lot of good resources on the internet However, you have to be mindful that some of these websites and social media contain incorrect information. Few people are well informed enough about SEI to provide the best advice, so encourage them to explore support options for advice and information are usually professionals who are experienced with SEI issues. For one, SEI Ontario has a great peer mentoring program that you can make a self-referral so you can talk to a peer mentor, somebody who's been there and done that before. 
and make sure you try to educate yourself about SEI. This really shows you care. Thank you. Hi, my name is Gaia Jaylevin. I'm a postdoctorate fellow um, working at University Health Network. And today I'll be talking a little bit about um, um, some of the signs to look out for uh, with respect to mental distress, as well as some of the coping strategies to use during, especially particularly during um, this COVID pandemic for SEI caregivers. So I'm just going to be putting up this infographic um, and I'll talk over it and just explain some of um, the coping strategies as well as the signs. So please bear with me while I put up this um, infographic. So although caregiving can be a rewarding and bonding experience, it can also cause distress among individuals providing care. In fact, mental health distress can be further intensified during the current COVID pandemic due to reasons such as feelings of isolation, lack of access to community resources and information, um, as well as lack of social support assistance. And it's rather important to recognize the common responses to mental health distress, particularly during this pandemic, and understanding these responses to distress can lead to practicing effective coping strategies. So if you look at this diagram on the right, um, some of the common signs that point to mental distress and something caregivers should actually keep an eye out for include anxiety and sadness, irritability and anger, hopelessness, feeling trapped, changes in personal hygiene and appearance, self-blame, relationship issues, um, insomnia or sleeping disorders, as well as substance abuse. And there are coping strategies to help relieve some of this mental distress. And I'll briefly go through some of them in this video. So for example, limiting use and social media, as well as seeking information from trusted sources is, um, is a key strategy. And there are a lot of COVID related information out there currently. But if this is causing anxiety or distress, then it's probably best to limit watching or reading the news to a couple of times a week. And second, some of this information might not be valid, so it's important to look for updates from trusted sources. So for example, I put up the World Health Organization um, on the screen, and it's a well-known and trusted source that they have periodically update um, um, of information about the current state of the pandemic that's actually reliable. And another strategy would be to create and maintain a routine or what I like to call a no new normal, whether it's um, routine uh, physical activity or house chores and even keeping in contact with family and friends. And planning ahead and developing a routine help, can definitely help manage several caregiving tasks and consequently reduce short-term strain. So the next strategy, preparing for a contingency plan, is quite important during this situation, especially if you need to self-quarantine. And reaching out to trusted family members of, or friends to step in your place during this time can help relieve some stress and ensure that the types of caregiving or assistance you usually provide to your family member with SEI are well-documented 
and periodically updated, um, as well as, uh, 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 for example, medication and nutrition and bowel and bladder routine. And this will ensure that the person stepping in can easily reference and provide the appropriate care in your absence. In fact, this um, same, uh, the same goes for writing a care plan for healthcare professionals, such as ER doctors and paramedics. And having a medical summary report and specific care tasks allows the care professionals to understand medical history of your family member and provide the necessary care. If you look at number five, it's uh, important to stay connected to your social network, but also reach out to other family caregivers. They might be going through similar experiences and having same concerns. So just talking about how the pandemic has affected each other's lives, concerns and fears, as well as sharing any resources or strategies you found would be quite helpful during this time and can create this reciprocal support system. Number six is um, actually very important and uh, it's known to most people to take care of their physical and emotional well-being, but we all tend to forget to do that and um, need reminders. Things like sleeping, having a well-balanced diet and prioritizing some time for physical activity can enhance your overall well-being drastically. Simple routines like short walks or even attending virtual fitness classes can be very helpful. And there are many online resources for help with physical activity. And just remember to always be kind to yourself. Being kind to yourself builds the foundation to self-care. Give yourself credit for the tough, complex working um, work of caregiving and allow yourself some time, even if it's just 30 minutes a day, to just take care of yourself. And it's always okay to ask for help. While respecting the current physical distancing guidelines, you can ask your support network to help with errands or do some curbside pickups, such as um, prescriptions or groceries. And finally, last but not least, draw upon past resilience. Although this pandemic has caused a global panic, just remember that as a caregiver, this isn't the first time you've had to adjust to a new life. We've heard powerful stories from a family caregiver in this video. And be, being a caregiver, just like Karen, takes great resilience. So just reflect on your journey post-injury and keep reminding yourself of all the hurdles you've overcome to get this far. And it can definitely benefit during this pandemic and help you overcome this as well. So just to wrap up, the key points are, there are common responses to mental health distress that um, most family caregivers are facing. And it's okay uh, to go through this, just, it's just important to look up for them. And it's very important to practice these coping strategies and um, just to get through this uh, current pandemic. So to summarize, um many sort of consistent messages that you've heard from the four of us speaking today. Um, just want to remind everyone the importance, plan and document your contingency plans for your care. Train your backup care providers and be prepared to implement your contingency plan. Familiarize yourself 
with emerging science specific to COVID-19 and the evolving guidelines specific to spinal cord injury. Review the podcasts that have been developed with you in mind. These can be found on the links below and they're available on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Really important during this time of isolation to reach out to your peer networks. You are not alone. And what you can share as you cope with these challenges um, will benefit others and you can benefit from their learning as well. If you're a family member providing care, be sure to look after yourself. You have important needs for rest, exercise, nutrition, and a break from care provision. So do look after yourself first. Stay home, stay healthy, keep in touch with your healthcare team by phone and or FaceTime, and follow the recommendations of your healthcare team in your community. We hope this information has been useful for you. Bye for now.